Well, hello and welcome to Theology for You. Um, been here with you by myself today. We had planned on doing a what we're learning episode, and we will do that soon. But what we're learning right now is that um, it's a, a lot harder to do episodes on what we're learning when you have uh, two kids at home. So there you go. That's <laughs> that is what we're learning right now. Um, Nora Heather is here. She was born uh, last Saturday. Very healthy, uh, very cute and cuddly. And we're glad she's here, glad she's home and healthy. And uh, Carson has been enjoying her uh, a lot. So we're um, just grateful. God has been very gracious uh, during uh, this transition. Even though she's only a week old, we are getting there. So what I wanted to do today in this episode is um, just talk a little bit about hope um, in the community where we live in Madison County, Kentucky, and particularly Richmond. Um, last week, we had a, a police officer who was just doing his job and uh, was investigating a, a a robbery following up on a lead and was uh, shot in the head um, by the uh, gentleman who was um, the suspected robber uh, shot him in the head and um, he died uh, so we've had a um, a community in uh, mourning uh, over the past week and then um, a girl that um, many people in our church know I believe she's 11 um, has been having a lot of health issues and they found out uh, not too long ago that she actually has cancer and doctors were doing surgery on her today. Um, so it's been a tumultuous time um, with um, bad news, uh, news that um, for, even for Christians, if we're not careful, uh, can diminish and squelch the hope that we have in Christ. It's always hard to have hope in a dark place, but that's what we have uh, because of Jesus Christ. So I just want to talk a little bit about um, hope and just who we are in Christ. I know that won't surprise you that we're going to go down that path with uh, who we are in Christ, but that's really where our hope is founded. Uh, we have been adopted by God in Christ and uh, Paul in Romans 8 um, our church has been meditating through Romans 8 uh, together and our pastor has been preaching on Romans 8 he's gotten through the first four verses so far but I want to focus on really kind of verses 18 through 30 um, I'm gonna go ahead and read that whole passage and then we're just going to kind of uh, walk walk uh, through these verses We'll go from there. Actually, I'm going to start in verse um, verse uh, 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. 
For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Allow me to just pray very quickly before we look at this. Father, through your Holy Spirit, give us understanding um, of what we just read. Father, thank you that you are our Father. That because of our relationship with you, we have hope, even in the midst of suffering, in the midst of bad news in the midst of loss, in the midst of sickness. Father, thank you for who you are for us in Christ. And it's because of him that we pray. Amen. So Romans 8. Great, great, great chapter. Um, I have profited greatly from meditating on this over the past, um, uh, we're getting close to 66 days. But Paul, in the section that we read, we start off here in verse 15. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. I've been reading uh, J.I. Packer little sections in his book, Knowing God, and he has a chapter in there. It's just called Sons of God. And there's a temptation, especially in the theological circles, that I run in uh, reformed circles to put such an emphasis, and rightly so, on the doctrine of justification, which we've talked about uh, many times before, that because of Christ we are declared righteous uh, before the Father. Uh, Christ takes our sin and we gain his righteousness. Why Paul says in Second Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of uh, God. So justification is a wonderful truth. It's all because of Christ. But our adoption is also because of Christ. You have Ephesians 1, another great chapter uh, in the Bible. And I think um, if you'll be able to attend a Theology for You weekender, one of the breakout sessions is going to be on um, Ephesians 1, verse uh, 5. 
last part of verse 4 says in love he predestined us for adoptions as son through jesus christ according to the purpose of will of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved adoption as wonderful as the doctrine of justification is and as wonderful of a reality that is and it is wonderful maybe even more wonderful is the fact that not only are we justified in the sight of god but god is our father now because of christ that's what ephesians says let me read that again i should have stayed there i knew better than to <clears throat> turn back it says in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through jesus christ so god is my father and if you are a christian god is your father because of jesus christ and since he is our father we've received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry abba father and the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of god i think that abba father while it does carry with it a term of endearment there is also this idea that we're in trouble we are in trouble it's also used in uh, galatians which we will look at but if you notice the context in which paul uses it here in romans verse 17 the end of it says provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him then it that sandwiched in between verse 13 for if you live according to the flesh you will die but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live so yes abba father is a term of endearment and a term of uh, closeness and it's a very precious term but it's also a term and a phrase that we are crying out to god notice paul says whom by whom we cry abba father we're in trouble we need help we're suffering we're fighting sin we're putting to death the deeds of the body by the spirit we need help and we have a father who's there to help if God is for us, who can be against us? As Romans 8 goes on to say. So the Spirit himself, while we're fighting sin and while we're suffering, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs of God, fellow heirs of Christ. Well, if you're an heir of God, ask yourself this question. What does God own? What does God own? everything god owns everything and you're an heir of god you're an heir to everything provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him so suffering always remember this in this life suffering is our lot provided we suffer with him that we may be glorified with him we will suffer but Paul doesn't leave us in our suffering. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So yes, Christian, you will suffer now in some way, shape, or form. And I, and I feel inadequate even talking about suffering because I'm not sure how much of it we actually face now in our country where we're at. I don't think it's out of the realm of the possibility that suffering is coming 
But Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Just like verse 30, those whom he justified, those whom he adopted, he also glorified. One day we will have the complete and final redemption of our bodies. Our adoption will be then face to face. We will see our father face to face. Right now, the creation is waiting with eager longing for the revelation, for the revealing of the sons of God, for their glory. I've said this to a couple of our college students at our church. If creation is waiting with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, how am I waiting? The revealing of the sons of God is talking about Jesus coming back. How am I waiting? What is my attitude towards the second coming of Jesus? Do I wait eagerly? Do I anticipate it? I'm afraid that in my own life, I don't wait very eagerly. I always have a Jesus come back, but I would like to do this or like to do that or you fill in the blank. Do I wait eagerly? Do I anticipate? Do I want Jesus to come back? I pray that the Holy Spirit would change my attitude on that. Verse 22, the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. So the creation is subjected to futility and it's groaning. Verse 23, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly. See there? We wait eagerly for adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. We groan. We groan. In our community, the um, senseless murder of this officer is a reminder that man's heart is desperately wicked. That man is depraved. That man not only hates God, but hates his fellow man because of his heart. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. No one seeks after God. It's events like this that show us and remind us that something is wrong. This little girl with uh, cancer, we groan inwardly because we, we know that, that something is it's just wrong with that. This is not the way that things should be. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. We wait eagerly as we're groaning this intense sigh within us that Jesus come back and set things as they should be where there will be no more sin no more sickness no more death the events around me this week are because of sin 
One is because of a man's willful act of sin. Another, because sin exists in the world. We have things like cancer. But for the Christian, we wait eagerly. Then Paul says in verse 24, For in this hope we were saved. Hope. We have hope now. The hope is present that while we groan, while we wait eagerly for our adoption, the redemption of our bodies, we have hope. If we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Only this type of hope creates patience within us while we wait eagerly, while we suffer. We can suffer patiently knowing that God is doing a work in it. Hope. Hope in darkness. Because God, even while we're in the dark, God is always working. I think it's John Piper that said uh, something along the lines of, God is doing 10,000 things in your life at once, but you only might be able to see three of them. And when we're in the dark, sometimes it's, all the time, honestly, it's, it's really hard to understand or to even see if God is working. But he is. We can have that hope that everything we go through is part of our sanctification, of being made like Christ. That's verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Everything that you go through, everything that I go through, God is working in you through his Spirit to make you more like Jesus. Conformed to the image of his Son. Now, Romans 8 has great truth throughout it. But I think verses 26, 27, and 28 are amazing. Amazing. And I think we don't see the just sheer awesomeness, if that's even a word, of these verses because the Holy Spirit is um, uh, strange <laughs> to us, to say, to say the least. We, we talk about the Holy Spirit as if he's some impersonal force that belongs in Star Wars rather than uh, the Spirit who dwells within those who are sons of God. Verse 11 says, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. If you are a Christian, if, if Romans 8.1 is true for you, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, if you have been united to him, then the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, dwells within you. God the Spirit dwells within you. He dwells within me. So, when I come to verse 26, and it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
for we do not, do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So we groan inwardly as we suffer, as we see the decay of creation, uh, not only the uh, what we see in nature, but what we feel within our own bodies. And when we see cancer um, take over and invade someone else's uh, body, the Spirit in those circumstances, the Spirit is praying for us because we don't know what to pray for as we ought. And as we groan, the Spirit is interceding. He's praying for us with groanings too deep for words. The Spirit of God who dwells in you is praying for you. Verse 27, he who searches hearts, which is God the Father, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So I'm weak. I don't know what to pray for as I ought. Therefore, the Spirit prays for me. The Father knows the mind of the Spirit. And the Spirit intercedes for me. He prays for me. He prays for you, saint, according to the will of God. The Spirit of God is praying God's will for your life. Let that sink in. The Spirit of God is praying God's will for your life. Therefore, when I come to verse 28, it's not just a trite verse that looks good on a coffee mug. It is amazing. It says, and we know that for those who love God, the saints, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for my good. So the Spirit helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Since we don't know what to pray, the Spirit prays for us. The God the Father searches hearts. He knows the mind of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit is interceding for you. He's praying for you according to the will of God. He's praying God's will for your life. So then, if the Holy Spirit is praying for me according to the will of God, he's praying God's will for me. Since I am a saint, I'm one of those who love God, then all things work together for good. What happens when God's will in my life is accomplished? God is glorified. The ultimate good for all creation is that God is glorified, and He, God, he is always glorified when his will is done. So the Spirit is praying God's will for us, and God will always answer that prayer. Because when he answers the prayer for his will to be accomplished, he then gets glory. Isaiah says God is jealous for his glory. He will not give it to another.
So if the Spirit is praying God's will for me, and God always answers that prayer because it brings him glory, then every situation I face in life works for good because God's will is being accomplished, which brings him glory. And anytime God is glorified, it is always for your good, saint. Anytime God is glorified, it's always for your good. Always. Always, always, always. And when we think this way, when we face senseless murders and we face young people with cancer, this gives us a Godward perspective. That no matter the situation, whether it's good or bad, if you're in the situation, if another saint is in the situation, the Holy Spirit is praying for you or is praying for them in that situation. And he's praying for us because we are weak and we do not know how to pray as we ought. That's hope, friends. That's hope. That gives me confidence. That everything I go through, God is working for good because his will is being accomplished. And as his will is accomplished, verse 29, those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So every situation that I face in life is God's will and the Holy Spirit is praying God's will for me. That situation brings God glory and in that situation, God is working to conform me to the image of his son. <laughs> that's good stuff, folks. I mean, that's good. And what God started, he will finish. Those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified your salvation is so secure so done that paul views it as if you're already glorified which cannot happen while you're alive those whom he justified he also glorified so we can ask what paul does in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And the answer is nothing. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Pause there for a second. Anything else in all creation. That includes you. That includes you. Nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
if God has called you, if God has justified you, he will glorify you. And there's nothing on this earth that can separate you from his love. Once God is your father, he is always your father. Once the Holy Spirit prays for you and dwells within you, he will always pray for you and he will always dwell within you. That's hope. That's hope whether we're in a dark situation, a heavy situation, a light situation, whether times are good, whether times are bad. That's hope. That's good. I don't know about you, but I need that reminder a lot. I need that reminder a lot. So we've been talking about hope. What should my life look like in light of this truth? I think two things. First, Verse 28 says, all things work together. Um, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So I have been called according to God's purpose, which means he has called me to salvation so that his will might be accomplished in my life in all situations. If this is God's purpose, then I just need to stop complaining. I can trust God and stop complaining about my lot in life when the baby's screaming at 3.30 in the morning. God's working that for good. Second, I can live in peace. My life may appear turbulent and shaky, but all of life, my life is orchestrated by my loving Father. All of it orchestrated by my loving Father. He is working His will out for my life. And the Holy Spirit who dwells within me is praying God's will for my life. That's peace. That's hope. That's confidence. So I don't have to be down in the mouth. I don't have to complain. I can be a realist that, yes, what I am facing is hard, but the God who has brought it into my life is so sweet, so precious. That no matter how hard life gets, God is for me. That's good truth. 